welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. All right, open your Bibles up with me to Psalm chapter 46. I talked about this scripture briefly a couple weeks ago. I think it was middle of September sometime. I told you a little story about how I woke up one Sunday morning to get ready for church and went outside and sat down on the front porch and began to open my Bible and began as fast as I could to begin to pray in the Spirit. And I felt like God told me to to hold on a second and just wait a minute. That I just, uh, as human nature is, when you have a list of things to do and you have things you have to do, and on Sunday mornings for us, there's a lot of things that we have to do. We're up early. We got to I got I to gotta spend time praying with God. I got to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. I got to get dressed. I got to do my hair. I don't know if you know how long it takes to do my hair, but I got to do my hair. Then I got to drive from the cultist lake and get out here and start helping to set up and music practice and get all the coffee ready. Sundays are busy. So that Sunday morning, I jumped out of bed, made a cup of tea, went and sat on the front porch, and it's a little chilly out, so I, we have these nice little chairs, and I put this blanket on. I got it all tucked in so that my legs weren't cold. It was so cute. It was so cute. And I sit on the front porch, and I open my Bible, close my eyes, and I just start going. Like, it's like I turned the key in the ignition, and away we went. And I, I told you this, and I began to pray, and God was like, hey, man, just hang on a minute. Just hang on a minute. Just slow down for a second. Just slow down. And so for the last two weeks, this scripture has been ever-present in my mind and in my heart, where I've been thinking a lot about it. In fact, um, we have youth and young adults on Wednesday nights, and I talked a little bit about this to the youth and young adults on this past Wednesday night, and um, I shared with them, there was a study done in October of last year in Canada which is rare. It's hard to find a Canadian study. Usually we talk about stats that are from the States, but this was actually a Canadian study, and it said that 63% of people between the ages of 18 to 29, 63% deal with anxiety and stress on a major level. 63%, two-thirds almost. And I began to think about the importance of waiting, the importance of being still and knowing that he is God. So we're going to look at this scripture for a few minutes, and I believe that God is going to show us some things out of it today. You know, Jen Jen touched on this morning saying that it's a year of breakthrough. And if you come early enough, you will see that we have slides going before the service, announcing things and talking about stuff that's coming up. But in those slides, you will also see some declarations that I have put in there about our house. One of them says that this is a house of joy because we believe coming to church should be a good time. It should be a celebration. Other things you will see in there, it says, this is a year of unity, a year of defeating the giants, and a year of breakthrough. But hey, guess what? We're almost at Thanksgiving, which means we're almost at the end of the year. And what always happens at the end of the year is we begin to forget about the year we're in, and we begin to look ahead to 2020 or 2021 or 2015. Whatever year is coming up, we begin to look ahead, and we forget about the here and now. And I want to remind you today that maybe you are still dealing with some things in the here and now in your 
life. And God has said to us at the beginning of 2019 that it is a year of breakthrough. So maybe you're saying, I haven't seen my breakthrough in the years almost over. Well, good news. There's still three months left. And God is still on the throne. And God is still wanting to work and move in your life. There is giants that need to be defeated. There is unity that still needs to be achieved and worked into. And there are things that you need to break through in your life. And God is still saying, I will do all those things right here and now, next week, in November, in December. And yes, even at the very last day of December, I will still work in your life those things that I said at the beginning. Don't let go of the things that God has spoken to us. Amen? So he said it's a year of breakthrough. So we're going to talk about some things. And the reason I'm saying this is because I believe I've had a lot of conversations with a large majority of you in the last month, let's say. And there has been an extreme amount of fear and anxiety and stress that I am hearing from people. Tension. Not sure how I should deal with these things. Not sure I can make it through these circumstances. I don't know how I'm going to deal. And God is wanting to break through what is primarily a spirit of fear and anxiety and bring peace and rest into our hearts and lives. Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10. Says this, be still and know that I am God. Here's what it doesn't say. Run around and do as much as you can and let other people tell you about their relationship with God. Work, work, work. Never rest. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray. And hear about me through a podcast. What it does say is sit down take a break and know for yourself that I am God. So many of us in the busyness of our lives, like Jen was praying, if you listened, try to put ourselves at the center of our lives. You try to make ourselves God. How can I solve this problem? How can I fix this issue? When God is desiring to show himself to you that he is God, and surprise, surprise, you're not. But so often we get stuck in, I've got to solve this problem myself because I'm the most important thing in life. I can take care of this. Let's break this down. It's really good when you read a scripture in the Bible to break it down. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So when you go to the Strong's Concordance, you've got to look up in the Hebrew what it says. So first of all, this word still in the Hebrew is the word Rapha, which is really interesting. Don't steal my thunder. We're going to go there in a second. <laughs> the word still is the word Rapha. I'm sorry, I don't know why that three is so tiny. It is 5703, if you look it up in the Strong's Concordance. 7503. What is happening with my words today? Words happening what with today? 
And it means this, to slacken, literally or figuratively. I can look at your faces right now, and half of you are saying, slacken, hmm, don't know what that word means. And here's the thing. Strong's Concordance translated the King James Version of the Bible. And so there's a lot of words that sometimes you're like, we don't use the word slacken. Some people use it with their sails. You have to slacken the sails. You got to take the slack out of the sails. But what does the word slacken really mean? That is such a great question, Lena. I'm so glad you asked it. Let's look it up here. The word slacken means this, to make less active, to slow up, to become slow or slow down. Hmm, what's the idea in that word? Slow. Slow. Slow down. So when it says be still, it means literally to slow down. And then it says, and know that I am God. What does the word know mean? So let's look at this. Know is the word yada, and it means to know properly, to ascertain by seeing as in for yourself. Like I saw this and now I know it. Now, hang on. Again, I can see. Ascertain. What does the word ascertain mean? Well, good question. Let's look it up. Ascertain means this, to find out or to learn with certainty. So when it says, be still and know that I am God, here's what he's really saying. And this is why it's important to break the verses down so you don't just fly over them. He's saying, slow down and know for yourself by seeing for yourself with absolute certainty, what? That I am God. Slow down and experience for yourself. Let me show it to you that I am God and you're not. We try so hard to be God ourselves. We try to solve our own problems by ourselves. And here's the thing. You can't solve a lot of problems in life by yourself. Some problems you're going to find in life are beyond what you're capable of solving. And you need God to intervene on your behalf to bring healing, hope, health, and restoration to you. And when you try and solve problems in life by yourself, do you know what happens? You begin to see stress and anxiety and pressure because you are not functioning in a role that you were created to function in. And in the natural, when you look around at a job or with your friends and you can see somebody working and it's not going well and there's pressure and there's stress and they're trying stuff and it's just not, nobody's getting along with them, you can say, hmm, that person isn't in the right role for their life. But so often when it comes to spiritual things, We try and solve those things ourselves, even though you weren't created or designed to do that. That's a role that he occupies. And he wants to show himself to you in that area. Thanks, Cam. The Amplified says, be still and know, recognize and understand that I am am God. I'm God and you're not. Learn the roles in your life. 
Learn who is God. And maybe you're sitting here and you're realizing, my goodness, I have tried to be God to myself in so many situations. In so many areas of my life, I have tried to be God. Let God speak to you right now. Maybe he needs to open your eyes. Maybe he needs to open your ears and let you hear this and realize that you cannot be God to yourself and you can't solve things that he has decided or created or destined for him to solve in your life. So when you try and solve problems in your own strength, you bring into your life what is called dis-ease. Dis-ease, disease, stress, anxieties, pressures, hurts, pains, loneliness, heartaches, undue cares, Things you walk around on your back, pressures carrying that you should not and you were not meant to carry because you are choosing to pick up things that are not yours to carry. And it brings this stuff in your life. Now, be still. The Hebrew word rafa. Here's what's so great about that word. It also has another meaning. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, is where we get the name for God, Jehovah Rapha. Does anybody know this name? The Lord who heals. So it's really interesting to me that the same word stillness, be still and know that I'm God, is the same word as in Jehovah Rapha. Can we put up Rapha? This is what it is. In Jeremiah chapter 30, it's Rapha, and it means to heal, properly to mend by stitching. That is to cure. So if you take a step back and look at these two words are the same word and have the same meanings in a way, it means that from the stillness of knowing that God is God in your life comes healing, health, and curing and mending. And isn't it interesting what happens in the natural? See, this is what the enemy always does. Satan can't create anything. I don't know if you know that, but he can't create things. God is the author of creativity. What Satan does is take things that were created and perverts them. So when God says, be still, and know that I'm God, and in that stillness, let me heal you. Let me stitch you back together. Let me mend you. Let me cure you. In the stillness and the waiting and the seeing for yourself that I'm God, what Satan does is, no, 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 no. You've got no time. You've got reports due. You've got jobs due. You've got people waiting on you. You've got to sell houses. You've got to buy houses. You've got to go do this. You've got to go over here. You've got all kinds of things you've got to go do. You've got no time for stillness. And so Satan brings these things to you and makes you so busy you've got no time. And what happens? You begin to carry things in your soul and in your heart that you were never meant to carry. You begin to lose that closeness and that relationship with God because your life is being filled up with other things. And God says, be still and know that I'm God. And in that stillness, I'll bring healing. I'll bring repair. I'll stitch you back together again. 
Let me show you a story of this. Go to Mark chapter 4. Verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, reading out the New Living Translation, it says this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat. It started out leaving the crowds behind, although a few other boats followed along. Because there was people that always wanted to see Jesus. 37 says this. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. But soon, they're rolling along. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. It's a nice afternoon. Jesus has been out preaching. People's lives were transformed. He just finished telling all these parables. The disciples get in the boat just like, let's go to the other side, guys. They get in the boat, and they go to the other side. They're heading over that direction. And out of nowhere, a big storm shows up. Verse 38 says, Jesus was asleep. Don't you love reading the stories in the Bible? I love, when I read the Bible, I love to think about how I would feel if I was in, right there, in that moment. In a boat, everything was great, a storm comes up out of nowhere, and Jesus, who is the Messiah, is at the back of the boat taking a nap. How would you feel? What, would you, what thoughts would be going through your head? It says he's asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a nice fluffy pillow, just snoozing it up. The disciples wake him up, shouting at him, Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? Which is a ridiculous question because obviously Jesus would care that they were going to drown. Don't you care? We're going to die. You're taking a nap. You're over here snoring away, just snoring up, snoozy pants, and the water's filling the boat, and we're all going to die. Don't you care? Jesus said, of course I care. Guys, that's a ridiculous question. But what's so great is that Jesus wasn't phased by things. Jesus wasn't phased by a storm. Jesus needed to take a nap. He'd been out speaking all day long. He was tired. He got in the boat. He was ready to take a nap. Those waves started rocking back and forth. And don't waves put you to sleep? Oh, it's just so nice. Get on a boat somewhere, just like this gentle lulling of the waves. Put Jesus right to sleep. And apparently the storm didn't wake him up. So the disciples felt like, hey, this guy needs to be concerned. Like we are, we're concerned about what's happening. We need to get Josiah, Jesus concerned about this too. And Josiah, Josiah, get concerned, buddy. Take, take the words off the screen for a second, just so we can look at these waves. This isn't super stormy water, but this is active water. There's lots of white foam in there. If you were swimming in there, it wouldn't be super fun. It'd be bobbing up and down. That wave looked like it could hurt you a little bit if you didn't know what you were doing. And this kind of looks maybe like some of our lives. Waves, white foamy water. And a lot of us spend time here in this place. Stuck in the middle of an ocean with waves bouncing us around. 
trying to solve how we're going to get out of there by ourselves. One of my favorite Magnum P.I. episodes. I'm not even going to dignify that. One of my favorite Magnum P.I. episodes is an episode where somehow, I can't remember the beginning, but Magnum ends up in the middle of the ocean for a long, long, long time. He's all by himself. There's no boat. There's nobody to rescue him. And he's stuck swimming in this ocean in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of us live our lives like that, stuck in the middle of this ocean trying to save ourselves with these waves all over the place. Maybe these are your thoughts. Because really, a lot of us, it's our thoughts that we have to fight and deal with. For a lot of us, maybe there's not physical things attacking us in our life. For a lot of us, maybe we're not dealing with physical symptoms in our body, or we're not dealing with foreclosure, or we're not dealing with bankruptcy, or we're not dealing with things that like, we can see and stare at, and they're tangible things we have to deal with. But for a lot of us, our battles in life are in our thoughts, in our mind. And I'll tell you what, to God, those battles and breakthrough in those areas are just as important as physical healing, as things that you need in this natural, earthly world. God doesn't want us walking around battling thoughts, dealing with depression and suicide and temptation and, and anger and hatred and jealousy and malice and fear and loathing and all those things that you can think of that we all walk around carrying at different times in our life. Jesus says, I want to break those things off you. Now here's where I want to go. Next verse. The disciples are shouting at Jesus, wake up, wake up. We're going to drown. Water's coming in the boat. Peter's got water. His hair's all messed up. His clothes are all wet. Jesus wakes up, and it says he rebukes the wind, and he says to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Jesus gets up. He doesn't even address the disciples yet. He just gets up and he looks at the wind and the waves and he says this, peace, be still. Now we just looked at be still in Psalm 46, which means to slow down, to take a break, relax. Let God show himself to you. Right here, Jesus is saying, be still. And let me show you how God wants to show himself to you in your circumstances, in your life. This word here, when it says silence, be still. Do we have the next slide? Do we have the, that word peace means this. Silence, that is a hush, properly muteness. That is involuntary stillness or the inability to speak. Let that sink in for a second. What is that? What does that word mean? What did we just say? That word right there in the Greek, when Jesus said peace, and then it goes on into be still, be still, the word for that is literally a muzzle. Like a muzzle you put on a dog. And what is it? 
The picture is, is that Jesus is involuntarily silencing those storms in your life. When Jesus stands up in your life and he says, peace be still, what is happening is Jesus walks up and muzzles those storms and says, be quiet. So when Psalm says, be still and know that I'm God, you say, how do I know that you're God? He says, know me by experiencing that word, by that in Psalm where it said no was to see, to experience, to see it for yourself, to know it for certainty. And then here we see a picture of Jesus working in the disciples' life where he is showing them that he is God. And what is he doing? He is muzzling the storm and the wind and the waves. And he says, that's enough out of you. We're going to have you shut up now. And when God says he wants to show himself to you, when he says, be still and know that I'm God, what is he doing? He is walking into your life. When he went to the cross for you and for me, for everybody else, he walked up on that cross and he muzzled those storms in your life. I love that phrase. The involuntary stillness or the inability to speak. Because that means those things were still trying to speak to you. But the blood and the power of Jesus Christ silenced them once and for all. And they couldn't speak because he stood up. Here's what happens so often. We don't walk in the authority of who we are as believers. And we allow these lies to torment our hearts and our minds and beat us down. So we walk around carrying guilt and shame and heartaches and brokenness because we forget that Jesus went to the cross and looked the devil square in the face and said, that's enough out of you. God wants us. God wants you, God wants me to have a relationship with him. That's not just you talking at him all the time and telling him all your hurts and your pains and everything you need from him. But he wants you to go to him and be still. And in that stillness, in that quietness, God wants to show himself to you in the middle of your circumstances, in the middle of the darkest nights where you find yourself. God wants to reveal himself to you so that you know that you know that you know. Because here's the thing about storms. They always show up, don't they? But when you've seen God move in your life, when you've experienced Jesus in your life, there's no going back. I had a conversation with somebody recently, and they said this phrase, and I thought it was a beautiful phrase. They said, I wished I could go back and not be a Christian anymore, but I can't because I've seen God move in my life. God desires 
that we know him in that way. Where even if you try to talk yourself out of something, you can't because of what you've seen. Like the disciples said in Acts, the things that we've seen and we heard, we can't help but talk about. You want us to shut up, but I'm sorry, we can't shut up because we have seen Jesus do these things in people's lives. I have seen firsthand these miracles take place. And whether you beat me or chain me up or throw me in prison or kick me around, I can't not talk about it because it's too amazing. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.